This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello again and welcome to uh, Talking Devils. Uh, I'm your host Dave Murphy and once again I'm joined by former Manchester United and current Morecambe centre-back Scott Wooten. Scott, how are you doing today? A bit, bit of snow in the UK I believe? Yeah, heavy snow. Um, the, the country we go crazy when uh, we get about two inches of snow. No one knows what to do. Um, so yeah, but it's nice coming up to Christmas. Um, obviously got a young family so they're getting excited thinking obviously Christmas, Santa's coming and all that. Yep. So, uh, yeah, no, it's good. But, uh, yeah, a bit of snow and the weather seems to have really dropped here the last couple of days. It's been like, you know, that bitter, well, you probably don't know, but that bitter, bitter cold feeling is uh, is certainly here. So, um, but, you know, apart from that, mate, all good. Yourself? No, I, I feel that. I mean, it dropped to 17 Celsius here yesterday. Um, you know, but we're rebuilding, as I said, at the moment. So, you know, we'll get back to our usual weather. I think I think tomorrow's going to be 20 degrees, so still jacket weather, you know, jeans, but we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. We, we feel the same struggle, mate. Um, yeah, all right, let's so. jump right into it. Chelsea won, Manchester United won. Um, I mean, a, a point at Stamford Bridge where, you know, in recent years, it hasn't been a very good, you know, ground to us. Um, in recent weeks, uh, opposition teams have been, haven't been very good to us either. Uh, got absolutely smashed by Watford last week uh, away. Um, I saw the lineup, no Ronaldo. You know, I I had my doubts about that. Um, I, I thought we were, you know, I thought we were going to get another another pasting. If I'm honest, Chelsea really on fire at the moment, sweeping teams aside, smash Juventus during the week. But then, you know, as we all know, Scott, you you know more than anyone. Um, you know, new manager bounce stuff like that. I know Carrick is only the interim until the interim comes in, but still, players always seem to step up. Um. Very one-sided game, if I, if I do say so. Uh, I'm happy with a point, even though I hate dropping points. I'm happy with a point, considering uh, everything that's gone on in the past week. Um, so yeah, Manchester United won, Chelsea won. What was your what was your view on the game itself? Yeah, I thought it was it was a pretty solid performance. I think the mentality of the team was to go there and obviously not get beat. 
Um, I was the same as you. I was pretty surprised at, at the lineup. Uh, obviously, no Ronaldo. You straight away you're uh, you're raising your eyebrows and you're thinking, has that come from the new manager? Maybe you know what's yeah. what's gone on there. Um, but I think it was pretty clear that the the team went there. Like you, you, you made a good point. Obviously, off, off the back of the Watford results, it was we're not going to take Chelsea on. Like you say, Chelsea battered one of the top European teams in Juventus. I know they're not going well in their league at the minute, but they've still got quality players and a quality side. They battered them in the week. Um, Chelsea, you know, they were going top of the, the top of the league. They're going high. It was a clear, the clear mentality of the group was was to go there and not get beaten. Uh, I think you're seeing that. You pack obviously went with four central midfield players, packed the midfield. I mean, Chelsea did still play well. United rode the luck a bit at times, but I think coming off the back of a point at Stamford Bridge hasn't been a good ground for for United over the years, uh, as I know. Um, so yeah, I think I, I don't want to bring take, that up. I didn't want to. Yeah, yeah. I think you take a point before the game and um, and move on. Um, a lot of controversy around the penalty. Uh, for me, I mean, it, the rules are the rules. You know, we we've seen penalties that have been given this season, last season with VAR and everything. Uh, you know, as a defender yourself, would you are you disappointed with one Basaka? Are you disappointed in the fact that you know the rules say that that's a penalty? No, I, I just think it's a bit clumsy. I think the one thing you're always taught as a defender, or especially as you get older, is don't give the referee a decision. I mean, listen, you know, I gave a penalty away at Stamford Bridge by I did, I still to this day don't think it was a penalty, but I can easily see why because I made the I gave the referee a decision to make one Basaka did the same. He's you know, even if he gets a bit of the ball when when it, the legs are tangling and it's all so close, and he, he takes that looks like a that swipe, the the noise of the crowd, the players, the the referee gives you. But when you get to now with VAR and they get to the chance to look back at these moments in slow motion, and they look at it from all different angles, you know, you can easily see why he's given a penalty. Um, so just think it's difficult in the heat of the moment. You, you see the ball as a defender automatically. You think I've got to clear this. Wan Bissaka's thinking I've got to, I've got to smash this as, as far up the pitch yeah. as possible. But you know, on the flip side, if it happened against United, you'd be you'd be wanting a pen all day long. So I don't think you can you can have it both ways. So I, I can understand why he's, he's given a penalty. I mean, the good news coming out of Stamford Bridge is Thiago Silva is not actually dead, um, even though it looked that way. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm glad there was a, sta- a stand at one end of the stadium because the guy rolled so much, I thought he was going to roll into the Thames. So um, I'm happy there that he's OK. Um, Jaden Sancho scored his first goal for Manchester United during the week, an absolute cracker. Uh, got his first goal today, and, and not an easy goal. I mean, you know, a lot of times when a when a when a player is given that much time to think about, you know, because he, he was clean through. A lot of times we've seen players have, have bottled it, but a really really cheeky finish in the end when you see it in slow motion when he kind of did a dummy to to Rashford. Um, Jaden Sancho has a history of starting off very slow in his Borussia Dortmund uh, seasons, and then all of a sudden he explodes. Um, is, is this what we're going to see right now? Uh, the you know the the real Jaden Sancho that we we thought we were buying in the summer. Yeah, I certainly hope so. Um, you know the same with every every fellow watching watching United. Um, like you say, I think there's a history there of, of well, first and foremost, the history is his stats, his numbers are, are incredible, off the charts, really, for a young wide player. Um, and it just shows you, I think, um, the first. Getting that first goal in midweek, even though it wasn't in the league, it was in the Champions League. The, the confidence that will give him is is invaluable. Um, and I think often them attacking 
sort of flair players. They need that that goal or that that real good assist to give them that to almost for him to stand up and be like, yeah, you know, this is what I've done in Germany. Now I'm ready to to bring it to to England, and that'll give him such a confidence boost that hopefully, um, you know, we'll see a different Jaden Sancho to the one we've seen in the early weeks of the season. Like I say, that goal midweek he took his goal really well again today, and hopefully now he can continue that because. You know, a big fee, uh, big pressure from what he'd done off the back of his, his record in Germany. It hasn't obviously worked out for him as as we were all expected and wanted so far. But you know, like I say, this week would have done his confidence, um, the world of good. And you know, the German manager coming in, he he would have seen him more than more than most, more than all of us. Um, so I'm sure he'll find a way of, of getting the best out of him. So yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully this week's been a huge turning point in his, his in his Man United career. Um, big question, obviously, Cristiano Ronaldo sitting on the bench. Um, I mean, it's easy to say when you when you draw 1-1 at, at, at Chelsea and it is deemed a good result that it was the right decision. Um, Cristiano Ronaldo uh, is is a hot topic at the moment for Manchester United and especially with, you know, the new coach coming in. Um, it's very, uh, you know, his, uh, his style of football. Um, we're led to believe will not suit someone like Cristiano Ronaldo. You know, his style of football is to chase people down and, you know, get the win the ball back as soon as possible rather than coming back and defend the ball. Um, Cristiano Ronaldo, we all know, we've said this many times, best player in the world, one of the best players ever. Uh, can he, can, does Cristiano Ronaldo need to change his game to, to get into this team now? Because if, if we're looking at the future today, Cristiano Ronaldo doesn't doesn't actually you know fit into the, that style of play. Are we looking at a situation whereby he's such a phenomenal player that you know players like him can just adjust to that? I just don't see Cristiano Ronaldo chasing balls around the pitch, even at twenty six, let alone thirty six. It's just not his style, and it's not it's not the best way to utilize Ronaldo. For me, Ronaldo starts every game. That's just the way I am. You know, he and Solskjaer said it when you have when you have. People like Ronaldo on the pitch, you always have a chance, whether it's the first minute, whether it's the 90th minute. You know yourself, Scott, as a defender. We spoke about Ronaldo in the past. You said he would be an absolute nightmare. You can't turn off for one second. That's still the Ronaldo I see today, regardless of his age. He still has the fitness levels of a 24, 26-year-old. Um, does he fit into uh, Ralph's new team? Well, It'll be really, really interesting to see. I think off the back of the information we're led to believe and you hear what the German coaches have spoke about him and, like you say, we're believed to... to um, I actually seen a, a quote that he said uh, on the TV here today saying that he's a big believer in the Jürgen Klopp, that Jürgen Klopp calls a heavy metal, a rock and roll type football. And this is... Um, he sort of not created it, but he, he mentored it to these to Tuchel and Klopp and you know these German young German coaches... And ultimately, if you're going off that, then you'd have to say that Ronaldo doesn't fit into it. Um, look for his greats and the records and the Ballon d'Or, all for what Ronaldo's done. I don't think Jürgen Klopp would pick him. I don't think he... Because if you, if your team is wholly based around this high press and sprinting and all this, if you have one player, and especially if he's your central striker who's not going to do that, then you have to... It, the whole thing goes out the window. You've got to have 11 players all on the same page. Like, you know, Ronaldo never done it. He, he used to have to get moved up front in big European games under Ferguson and Rooney'd have to get put out wide because you knew that he wouldn't do the running running back. And that was when he was, you know, 25, 26, 27, uh, sorry, young, 24, 25 in, in his younger days. 
So he's certainly not going to do that now at 36. So I think it'll be really interesting to, to see how he manages him because he's obviously a huge ego um, in the dressing room. He, that's partly maybe why he, he, he conserves his energy for the, for the key moments, which no one in world football can argue that he doesn't deliver the goods in the key moments. So yeah. it's down to the, the preference of, of the manager or the coach, I guess. Like I say, I, I believe that Klopp wouldn't play him. But, Is Cavani a better suited striker in 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 the new you know the new manager's thinking? Maybe so, yeah, I think so. Because if, like I say, if this manager seems from what I've read and what I've seen and the quotes I've seen on, on people speaking about him, he's got such a clear, crystal clear vision of how he wants his team to play. And you know, German people are very Jurgen Klopp is very strong minded. Um, Tuchel the same, black and white. Um, yeah. So. I don't think for one minute he, if he's got this clear vision of he wants his teams on the front foot pressing eleven players sprinting for the ball, high press, or all these these fans gagging, all these terms of of closing down really high up the pitch that requires lots and lots of sprinting, which Ronaldo's never done. So maybe Cavani, he might, you know, the manager coming in might might favour him. Yeah. So like I say, it'll be really interesting to play out, see how it plays out. Sorry, um, it'll. Um, you know, because we all know we just can't imagine Ronaldo being happy to a manager coming in who, who, let's be honest, hasn't won an awful lot in his career for as good as people are speaking. Yeah. Out. Um, Ronaldo strikes me as the type of guy and the type of ego with what he's won, both as a personal and for the teams. Milan uh, United, Real Madrid, Juventus, Portugal, you know, he's won nearly it. He's won everything. So he's going to be thinking, how can this guy be coming in telling me what I've got to do and how I've got to play? And, just be like I say, it'd be, it'd be really interesting to see how it plays out. One of the biggest uh, Achilles heel we have at the moment is is our is our fullbacks. Uh, Luke Shaw didn't appear again today. Um, Manchester United is uh, talking about you know concussion from two weeks ago, but yet he started the game after he got the concussion. Um, wasn't in the squad at all today. Tellez was playing. Juan Basaka, let's be honest, is having an absolute nightmare. Dan brings up a, a good point. Our issues remain though. That's our fullbacks can't really attack or defend well enough. I mean, I've never been a fan of Juan Basaka going forward, but I've always been a fan of Juan Basaka defender. I think up until you know this season, I believe that he was the best defending right back in the league. That's not saying he's the best defender overall, but the best defender for me has been him. Um, Dan brings up a good point. You know, our attacking options, you know, as as defenders is is not great. And uh, Luke Shaw, after the Euros, we spoke about this the last time. He's he's come back a completely different player. I mean, he's not he's a shadow. Uh, Harry Harry Maguire as well, although he's a centre back. But those two players have come back from the Euros, have having a really good Euros and haven't been playing at all. Um, how do we fix as a defender? How do we fix our right back, left back issues? They're not very good going forward, and as of late, they're not very good at defending. I mean, is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I think it's spot on. Um, I agree. I think Wan Bissaka has always had question marks. I don't think he's ever shown a Palace or United is that quality in in the final third or that 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 touch or that real just quality. I guess uh, from crossing areas or or. 1v1 and that's fine maybe that's just not the player he is you know he's he, like you say I, I completely agree 1v1 defending for for two or three years Palace and when he first came to United I've never seen anyone get the better of him he's just got them really long legs and he just get his foot round from anywhere and like I say I've never seen anyone get past him so when he starts 
when that does happen, then that's when the question marks come and like they are now because they're saying, well, he doesn't bring anything going forward. And if you're not doing your job, the job defensively, because you can always put up with, kind of put up with one. You know, I remember Raphael was a superb fullback going forward, but he always had his question marks defensively. But because he was given so much attacking wise, and United were obviously a much more attacking team, you sort of not accept, but you sort of let a few defensive things go. Whereas Wan Bissaka, you sort of say, well, okay, he's not great going forward but he's defensively he's so good it's very rare you know there's not even Patrice Evra you know what a player he was he had his question marks defensively letting people run inside him sometimes there's a few players who, who constantly got the better of him 1v1 you know there's not many uh, Gary Neville's about or really top top full even listen I know I keep going about Liverpool but Trent arguably one of the best fullbacks in world football in terms of his quality and his assist his passing but again, huge question marks defensively. So it's very rare you get both. I just think when when your strength starts to falter a bit, that's when the, obviously the huge question marks come. In terms of how you solve it, I don't think you're ever going to get Wambasaka to be a marauding attacking fullback. I just don't think it's in his makeup. I don't think he's got them attributes. I think he is a solid 1v1 defender. Um, and on the other side, it's interesting, actually. I seen, I noticed. I seen Gary. He was talking more about Harry Maguire, but Gary Neville was saying it happened to him once when you he had such a good Euros, and because of the lack of rest and the relentlessness of the English season, game after game, he called it a post Euros syndrome. And I think Maguire and Shaw, about, I think they both played really, really well last season for United. They both yeah. had really good Euros, and I just think the, the physical input, the mental input the lack of rest you come back and, and for no particular reason you're probably not doing anything different in the training anything different in the preparation but things just aren't going right and listen I, I've never played in the Euros or obviously anything like that but listening to the people who have and what they've said from their experience I think they're just going through that I, I believe them too especially will, will turn a corner and, and wherever it is they, they'll come back and be top players for United I believe Sean and Maguire well, I mean, I think Harry Maguire needs it maybe a week off on a vacation. Just hopefully he doesn't choose Greece this time. Um, yeah. so. yeah, honestly, something like that could be could be the best thing for him. Just go yeah. away, um, have a rest. Don't don't do anything physically, mentally switch off. And it, honestly, it's amazing what that can do for the player. I think when you, you listen, he, since he got rushed back, there was a game on it. He, he played and it was at Leicester away. He should never have played. Yeah, and I think. He should have never played that game. Yeah. He obviously clearly wasn't fit. and then, But there's no hiding place when you're playing at that level. It's all over TV. Your performance, every bit of your performance is analysed and scrutinised. So he would have lost confidence from that, knowing that he probably, even though he knew he, he shouldn't have played probably because he wasn't fit. But then he's, he's had a massive drop-off in confidence. His forms, clearly, you know, he's not playing anywhere near as good. So, you know, that a week away could be the, could be the best thing for him. I mean, you mentioned uh, Trent Alexander, um, and and you made a very good point. Is that when it's when it's going good, good? Because for me, I think he's a very bad defender. Every every team that play against Liverpool, they that's where they they concentrate their attacking on is down his side. But because he's you know he's 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 racking up the assists, he's scoring some goals. It's kind of hidden. Um, and Juan Bissaka, you know, while he was playing very well as a defender, his attacking side, although there was, you know, you know, people were still criticising him on social media, um, the media wasn't really going after him. The media will go after him now. I know they will. Um, and that's the fine line between either being on the good side or the bad side of, of the media. Um, I mean, 
for me personally, I think I think we have a couple of players that need a rest. Uh, Harry Maguire is one, and I and I think Bruno Fernandez is another. And uh, Bruno Fernandez today, I've always I've always people have criticised Bruno for giving the ball away a lot. Um, for me, it's always well he's only one of the players that will try something. You know, he's the only one that will try that long pass. He will try that, you know, instinctive little touch around the corner and stuff like that. Um, but now, you know, because his form has dipped a little bit, he falls into that bracket as well. He's now getting criticised. I personally think, you know, Bruno Fernandes, he has to play because what else, what other options do we have? People talk about Donny van der Beek. I get it. I really do. But Bruno Fernandes, his numbers stand out. Um, Fernandez had a very, very quiet game again today. Um, he gave away a few silly mistakes. Um, yeah, he got, I, I believe he got booked as well. Um, for, he's just, for me, he's, he, if, if any player needs a rest, and I don't believe he's the type of player that will accept a rest, it's Bruno Fernandez. What do you think has been, you know, the reason for his, you know, quite alarming demise this season? Yeah, I think I'd probably put him in the same category as, as Sean Maguire. I just think it probably happened so often, and it's obviously highlighted now because we're, we're always talking about Man United, but it's probably happened um, in all clubs for all players who, who have had tough summers because it's such a long, tough season. They have no holiday straight after the season because they're joining up with the international teams. They're constantly still training every day, so you're not switched off. Mentally, you're thinking about this big tournament. Then you're playing in the tournament, so physically you're still going, mentally you're still going, and then before you know it, you're back in pre-season. You might get a week off. You know that's nowhere near enough, really, for the for how much the output is. And like I say, I just think mentally, as much as anything, you just need you just need that little little break, that little switch off, and then it's like anyone, even in normal work, you have to, everyone goes and all they, they come back feeling they feel great, don't they? You feel so yeah. refreshed, and it's football's the same. Um, so yeah, I do think. Maybe a break could be the best thing for him. Again, I go back similar to Wambasak when he's constantly giving the ball. I, I don't feel like his game has listen. His form obviously has dropped, but even when he was getting the goals and the assists, he was still sort of giving loads of balls away, trying passes. Yeah, just say you, you sort of you can accept that because he's racking up the goals and the assists. So then, when the goals and the assists stop coming. It gets highlighted even more because you can no longer look past. Oh well, he's he's contributing assists and he's getting goals, so you you automatically think, oh, he's having a bad, really bad game, and you know, a lot of it is often down to the strikers. If he's putting balls into places and the strikers don't finish it, he doesn't get the numbers, he doesn't get the assists. But you know, again, there's no doubt he, he's had a had a drop off, and you just can't have as many players drop off as as Man United have and, and expect to be competing for. For anything really. Moving on to um, the news during the week, uh, has still hasn't been confirmed, which I'm not surprised because we had a, we had a game this weekend. I didn't expect Manchester United to make it official until they can officially put them in charge, uh, which is probably going to be today or tomorrow. Uh, Ralph Rangnick is 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 allegedly the new Manchester United manager for the next six months, and then after that, he's moving into a consultancy role, um, which was the uh, the. The basically the, the delay in, in actually getting him in and uh, he didn't just want to come in as an interim coach he wanted to actually have some kind of um role after that i think it's me personally um, i'm absolutely stunned that manchester united are now making footballing decisions and not business decisions um imagine that imagine a football club actually making a football decision um, and not just a football club but the biggest football club in the world uh, i think this is an absolutely fantastic um uh, 
signing for Manchester United for, for the short, short term and the long term. We obviously still have to figure out who our manager is going forward next year. But when this when this whole mess, you know, was unraveling, um, my honest opinion was that we should get somebody in for the next six, seven months or whatever and take our time and making the correct appointment. Be that Pochettino if the club want to go there um, or my favourite, Ten Hag. Uh, I don't think Brendan Rodgers, for me, I think we were just taking a sidestep with him. Um, and I do believe we would have got him if we had to approach Leicester. So, you know, this seems to be very smart footballing decisions by Manchester United. Scott, what's going on? <laughs> it's about time, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I echo a lot of that really. Um, I like the fact of they haven't just panicked and gone and got someone for the sake yeah. of it because it's obviously clear that they didn't want to sack Ole Gunnar, but it got to a stage where they obviously felt it was that bad. They had to. So they hadn't, they, there was nothing in place. So I like it from the point of view of they haven't just panicked and gone and got Zinedine Zidane on because then. If you're Zinedine Zidane, you can ask for anything. If he wanted a four-year contract on an absolute fortune, United are in such a panic. They'd have to give it to him. There's no panic appointment. But I also like it, in fact, that it hasn't dwindled on and it's just become a bit of a laughing stock. Do you know what I mean? They've sort of got the balance right in between the middle of them. Um, his reputation is is incredible from what we hear and what we people, you know, top coaches, Tuchel, Klopp, albeit rivals of United, but... They speak so highly of the of the guy. Um, yeah, I mean, Klopp came out and said during the week, it's it's bad news for everyone else, you know, to, to have him in. And, and I know words are easy, but uh, you know, for if if we're to believe the media reports, you know, Klopp's type of football, Tuchel's type of football came from you know Ragnik's type of uh, philosophy and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Now it's 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 easy for us to naturally think, oh, all of a sudden now we're going to be like this great. I'm I'm you know I'm not that yeah, easily it led. It won't work like that. We, we we have to have a starting point, though. You know, Liverpool took yeah, four yeah. years to win a trophy. I know we're constantly saying that took X amount, X amount of years. Football has changed and evolved so much these days. But I think this is a great starting point for Manchester. You know, we may look back on this in a couple of years' time and go, yep, you know what? That was the right idea. I do remember... Um, Back in the 90s, I believe, when when France completely ripped up the whole uh, football rule book on, on their side for their international team and decided, you know, for the next two or three years, we're going to be pants. We're going to get we're going to get smashed by everyone. But we have a philosophy. We're going to build an academy. And, you know, now they've won, I think, two World Cups since then, you know, and, and they're constantly producing and producing players all the time because they took the time to go screw it. We're doing for the next couple of years. But. Trust me, in the end, it's going to be worth it. Are, are we are we hoping or are we looking at a situation like that where we draw a line in the sand and go, okay, for the next couple of years, it, it's going to get worse before it gets better, but we're starting the building blocks. Well, I think you certainly hope it doesn't get much worse than that. <laughs> yeah, kind of get worse. Five more at Liverpool City, more. Uh, we, let's hope it doesn't get worse. But um, no, I just think it's it's been crying out for someone like him in the, in the background. Yeah. For, for many years, someone who's going to, like you say, appoint a new manager, um, Ed Woodward for his for his amazing work as he's done on the commercial side of the club in terms of the, the turnover and the, and the money he makes. You know, that doesn't mean that you, football such a a unique and specific sport. We've never had football people at the top, though. Yeah, that's that's the problem. Mean, yeah, exactly. Like I say, so you know, Ed Woodward is famed for his his amazing commercial work, but he's just not yeah. a football. Person that that was clear from the appointments. Uh, one thing I'm amazed is that is how Alex Ferguson was never that person from the get go. I can understand why people 
would not maybe want him as the the sort of figurehead overlooking yeah. him. But for, maybe once the first manager goes and Moyes goes, he could have came in or he was at least be consulted. The rumours you hear is that he he wasn't asked or given any advice for for anything really, which is is sad to see. But um, yeah, it, like I say, it's good to to finally see that there will be that person in place who who hope you know hope. I hope he also come in and say he's going to make the signings. Who's going to bring people to the clubs, uh, coaching staff? Is it all going to be on him? Is he going to delegate people to do that stuff? At least, like you say, there seems to be an hour where he's going to be given the reins to start making these clear plans of, of moving forward. Because you know, like you say, it doesn't really get um, it doesn't get much worse, really, does it? Dan has made a good point, which, which you know, I've been bleating on about to anyone that wants to listen to me, is that, you know, I personally believe we have a very, very good squad. Um, and we and I felt that we were in the same position Chelsea were, you know, uh, when Frank Lampard was there, a very inexperienced coach who had, you know, hit a wall. Chelsea made the decision. He brought in Tuchel, who, who now has them, you know, firing on all cylinders, albeit they couldn't beat us today. Um, firing on all cylinders, you know, was this a case whereby we could see this, you know, with Ragnick coming in? Um and, and basically, you know, not turning us into a Chelsea overnight, but, you know, obviously making us a hell of a lot better because I personally believe we do have a very, very good team. I do believe that. I do believe we have a very, very good squad. Um, are we looking at it? Are we hoping, you know, blind faith that, that he can do that? You know, because we are in a very similar situation as Chelsea, you know. Yeah, um, I think it's a great point. I think there is an awful lot of similarities. I think Chelsea spent big on some young prospects like to have it that summer. United have done the same with Sancho. Obviously, they brought in Varane. Chelsea took uh, Lampard, Santiago Silva, top experienced players. Um, and I, yeah, you know, when when you actually think about that, there is a lot. Of Lampard, it just didn't seem to click under Lampard. He was he was chopping, changing shape a, a lot. From what I can remember, he was playing three at the back, four two three one, similar to Lolly. Yeah, certain games he's changed shape. He's you think of the Tottenham game off the back of um, Liverpool, where does Tuchel come in? And it was no. This is the way I do it. He's all got to buy into it. He's obviously clearly got all the players, the whole, not just the eleven players, but all the squad buying into exactly how he wants to play, how he wants to work. And um, I wouldn't say he transformed them overnight, but like you see, he he clearly made them a lot better team. Obviously, spent a lot of work on the training ground with them. And yeah, you know why can't this guy do that? Um, he's constantly being coaching. He's managed. He's got huge amounts of experience. Um. I'm sure that you know the United lads. Hopefully, if they buy into it, then then I'm sure they will improve. I'm, it, it, what I think he's got to do is he's got to sort of because he's only there to the end of the season. The only difference he might have from Klopp and Tuchel where <clears throat> is he's got to probably try and figure out the best way to play with the players he's got. I think them coaches, especially Klopp, Guardiola. They have. This is how I do it. This is the best way. I. This is how my me and my teams play. And if you don't, if you're not good enough, or you don't buy into it, you can move on. And I'll bring someone in who, who does. This manager is obviously going to move upstairs after the end of the season. So does he just? Is he going to come in and say no? This is my beliefs. This is the way we play. How will that affect, like you say, the Pogba's, Ronaldo's, Fernandez's? Or is he going to think right? This is the squad of players I've got. I've only got January. Is it worth going to spend a load of money for me to start my? authority on the team for six months um but then you could argue and say well the next manager he brings in could also be of the same sort of philosophy and mindset of what he's got so these are all the questions will be going on at the club i'm sure but um 
yeah, I, I think there's no doubt that he can come in and, and improve the team straight away. It'll be interesting to see what he does with the backroom staff, if he brings his own people in, if he keeps the remaining people who obviously worked under Ollie. Um so yeah, you know, obviously time will tell, but it's hopefully an exciting time for the for the players and, and for the fans. So um I mean one one of the one of the biggest complaints that we've had is that you know Ollie has gone, but his coaching staff has stayed behind. And you made a you know, you made you threw out that question, you know, is he gonna keep these guys? Um, I did read a very good article to say that you know there, there is there is a lot of uh, thought process in keeping them and turning them into very very good coaches the way he did with Klopp and with Tuchel and people like that. I mean there there is some legs in in that story. Um, if it, 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 I mean it's easy just to rip it all up, um, but we did. David Moyes did that, and it was a disaster. You know, he didn't keep anyone around. But then again, you know, there's also the argument that keeping all these people around. Is, is it going to change their mentality? And the good thing about this is that, you know, he, he's here for six months as the manager, but he's moving upstairs to make the big football and decisions is what we're led to believe. So any players that kind of have the attitude of, well, you know, and, and this can happen at clubs. We all know that, well, he's not really the boss, is he? Because he's going to be gone in six months. Um, this will be a completely different, you know, attitude then because they know that he's still going to be around and he's still going to be making the decisions. Um I think it was a, it was a very well thought out plan, uh, which which is also you know why I'm very very surprised by it all. Um, <laughs> is there a chance that if things go well, that that all of a sudden now they make him manager? I mean, with Manchester United, look at the past couple of years, anything is possible. Well, that was the original uh, Ollie, wasn't it? I don't um, think the original plan was was to keep Ollie on. I think he was probably coming in to do a similar thing without obviously moving upstairs. But he actually done that well as interim manager, caretaker. He won eight or nine games on the bounce. You yeah, know, unbelievable. The PSG game uh, was incredible. He done that well. You'd almost had to give him the job. Now maybe they thought, well, we we've done that before, so let's not just say he's coming to the end of the season. Maybe Ralph Ragnick wanted to. Might prefer the um to be upstairs. So I noticed the club he's at now. He's I don't think he's the first team manager, is he? As such, I no. think he's he's doing that type of role. So maybe he doesn't. He's past the sort of man, managing every day on the grass, coaching days, and he prefers that type of role. And he and he sees obviously huge potential. I mean, I'm sure anyone in that type of type of job role would love to to, to have that job at Man United with the resources and and the current squad that that he's got. So maybe partly it was him. It's probably clever from the club. It gives them six months, well, longer than six months now to to be to be tapping into the agents and the managers, seeing you know if they're happy at the clubs. Obviously, like you said, you mentioned the two two obvious candidates of, of Ten Hag and Pochettino. Uh, for me personally, I, I would go Pochettino. Uh, you say you go Ten Hag. Um, it's okay. I'll I'll edit that part out. <laughs> no, I just think he knows the Premier League. He's managed. PSG have got huge expectations. Yeah. Um, I know the French league isn't up to much, but I don't think the Dutch league really is either. No, that's a fair point. Um, and I just, I just think, it, I think you only realise how good he'd done at Tottenham when you look at Tottenham be, before and after him. Yeah, that's one thing that just sticks out to me. I think he, he, he was so close with that Tottenham team. The year Leicester won the league, Champions League final, constantly, and it wasn't even a question really. You, if uh, Tottenham were going to make Champions League under Pochettino, um, yeah, he didn't win a trophy. We all, we all know that. Um, 
But it just shows you since he's left and before he took the job, what he did with that Tottenham team was was incredible. I think the way he played, he brought young players through. It ticks all the boxes of what historically what Man United have done in terms of, like I say, bringing young players through, playing front foot, attacking football, fast uh, play. Um, you know, I, I don't know enough about Ten Hag really. Um, but go, sorry, I've gone off topic a bit there. Going back to the original question, I think I don't think they will probably. No matter how well he does, I, th- I think they'll stick to the original decision because off the back of what what's obviously happened with Holly. Holly. Um, as a professional footballer yourself, I'm sure you've been in um, in teams where the manager has been changed throughout the season, or a new manager has come in, or you've gone to a new team and a new manager has come in. Um, <clears throat> so the question I have is, you know. Ragnick's coming in now, we were led to believe this week. Between now and, you know, January, there's like 150 games <laughs> that teams have to, there's, you know, that's an exaggeration, but there's a lot of games coming ticking fast. Is this a good time for him to be coming in? Uh, because, you know, games are going to keep coming quick and fast, quick and fast. Or, you know, is it, will he not have enough time to actually get his ideas out onto the pitch because you're constantly. You know, Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, Saturday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Monday, Saturday. It, and then over the Christmas period, uh, you know, a manager like him, like one of the one of the things Klopp and Pep have said when they came to the UK was like how crazy it is that all these games are being played. But that's what we're used to. That's what we love as supporters. We love our Boxing Day games. We love our New Year's games. We love our game a couple of days before. It, it kind of makes Christmas, a, you know, a good, a good time of year for football. Um but is this a good time for him to come in to be able to create his own thinking and his way of playing? I mean, if you're in that team and, and a new coach comes in, how long does it take for a coach to get his idea? Because us as supporters, we think, well, it takes a day or two. He puts it up on the board and he goes, you're here, you're here. Lingard, you're in West Ham. Let's get out here and let's move. Um, <laughs> how do we, you know, how long does it take for a manager to actually implement his thought process and, and get the players to buy into it. Is this a good time for that? Or is it like it could have been, you know, it would have been better after Christmas when, you know, he has more time on the training pitch? Yeah, I think it's far from ideal from from that point of view. Um, obviously, like you say, we, what we hear about his philosophy and, and the way he wants to play. You, Anyone trying to change, completely change it in how a team plays, it, t- it needs t- it needs time. Some obviously managers work a lot quicker than others. Tuchel. Some managers might just look at it and do slight tweaks. But from what we we're hearing um, about Ralph Ragnick and, and it's a similar style to Klopp. You know, United are one of the, the lowest running teams in the league this season. Yeah. Now, if he's if he's trying to get these players, you can't just flick a switch and all of a sudden they off the back of what you're saying. He, he's pointing on a tactics board. It's just not going to wait. It's going to take time for them to up the fitness levels. That takes time in training. It's not just the case of saying, right, we're going to play high press and Sancho, you're going to sprint 30 metres to close him down. Ronaldo, you're going to sprint 30 metres to close him. That takes time. It's all got to be in tune. Um, there's going to be a couple of games where they'll get it wrong. So it, it, it is a long process. But like, like I say, a lot of it takes time on the training pitch, videos, uh, video analysis, video and yeah. training, video and games, reviewing the games, showing the players what what he liked, what he didn't like. Um, you know, I th- again, it, I think it highlights the job Tuchel done at Chelsea is fantastic, really, and how he done yeah. it all in that one season. Um, but like I said, the, the, one of the biggest things for me in terms of the, the running stats, if he's trying to go high press, that'll take 
you know, I hope I'm wrong, but he's got to get, he'll have to get the players fitter, he'll have to get them running more. Like I say, I just don't believe you can flick a switch and go from being one of the least running sides in the in the division to all of a sudden being top. I just, I just would be amazed if I seen that. Well, I mean, I think I think it's it's a you know the end on the on the the ranking now. I think it's a very positive positive signing for Manchester United. I think you agree with that. I think most people agree. Yeah, you know, a lot of us, you know, don't know a hell of a lot about him other than what we've read about him over the past couple of months, and then obviously in the past week, um, he seems to be you know a very astute and very you know a very good coach, and a, a, you know he has a certain way of playing. That's one of the things we've lacked over the past six, eight months. I think as Ollie started to panic, we lost focus on, you know, there was games where, you know, you and I talked off air and all. We, we just, we had no clue what way we were playing. I mean, what are we trying to do here? How are we trying to play? How are we trying to set up? It was kind of just like a bunch of guys in, in you know, in the local park with, you know, jumpers for goalposts type of thing. And, you know, that, that's the way it felt. But this this guy has his own way of playing. I do believe it's going to take a bit of time. I do believe we've got to have a bit of patience. But I think in the long run, we could see ourselves set up to be, you know, to be on the path to where we actually deserve to be as, as a club. And that's at, at the very top. Um, Scott, I want to just, you know, finish off. Uh, uh, not the best results yesterday, you know, on, on, on the back of, you know, two very good results. You know, a draw with a very good Charlton side, and then you know, you you guys won two one away at at, at Fleetwood there last week. Um, yesterday, uh, you know, four 0 at home. Dropping that is, that is a season in one week. The emotions of a season, isn't it? A winner, a winner, last, draw last a loss. Ninety fourth minute winner from his goal in our own half. Yeah, uh, Stockton. The the uh, the highs of the emotion uh, to a two two. Draw in the midweek to a four 0 drubbing at the weekend where you're low as a snake's belly. Um, yeah, that that's just football. It's like I, I always say, it's so important not to. Obviously, listen, we we have to learn from, put things right and change, maybe tweak certain things. And it's never never good getting beat four 0 at home. Well, um, but last week we were on top of the eight, you know, in a in a derby game, winning two one. It's just. It's crazy. There's so many games. We've got the FA Cup next week. You know, it's just you can't get, of course, be disappointed, but you can't be down in the dumps when you lose, and you can't be high as a kite when you win. So, yeah, been a decent week. Four points. You know, not not too bad, but it's important we we learn, but we don't dwell on on it on Saturday. You got a big game coming up next week, as you said, uh, FA Cup. Um, whoever wins this. You know, obviously goes into the hat with with the Premier League teams. Um, it's it's by no means an easy game. Uh, you know, no. any especially, you know, this is the this is the semi final for a lot of teams lower down the leagues. This is it. This is the one that could make or break financially the club for you know the next three or four years. You know, you get a you get a team that's like the team you guys are playing. You know, I was just going to say it, it's obviously a big game. Not only are they, are they playing like a, a division one team like yourselves, but the, the reward then is they could oh. get anybody, you know, so they're really going to have it about them. Um, you know, they can't lose really other than oh, losing no. the game, you know, there's no pressure on them. How are you guys, uh, how are you guys approaching this game? Because it's on BBC. Um, yeah. I'm going to try and see if I can get it uh, get it hooked up to the TV here. So I need goal number two. I need Barton making that case. Um, so how do you feel about next week's game? 
Yeah, listen, we're obviously confident going into the game. Um, it's a it's a game that, in terms of the levels and the quality, we should win. But like you say, that gives Buxton absolutely nothing to lose. You know, so um, yeah. it's on Astro Turf, which is oh, is I didn't know that. Is not what we're used to playing on. We, you know, we obviously play on grass. Yeah, yeah, it's on Astro Turf, which would be difficult. They're obviously yeah. used to playing on it. It's on TV. It's, and it's a it's a place in the third round, and you know as you, you, we see every single year in the FA Cup, teams have knockouts and upsets, and anything can happen. Um, one off game, no replays, you know all these things. But listen, we we've got to go, and, and if our attitude, we always, I think you'd always believe if you're a, a team in a higher division, you know played many of these games over the years. If if the attitude right and the mentality is is right to the squad, then you'd approach the game in the right way. Then it. Usually you should be okay. If we go in thinking, "Oh, we're playing Buxton, who are in excellent," take it for granted. Oh, this will be easy. Like you say, it's a huge, huge game for them. Um, that's when you often come unstuck. So, listen, I'm sure if we um, if we get the attitude right, then we'll be okay. Yeah, it's a it's a mad. Like I said, if you know, if, if you know, God forbid they beat you guys and then they get Liverpool or United or Arsenal in the next round, all of a sudden they've got enough money to survive for the next five, six, seven years. They, they This is why I love the FA Cup and and I love the format of it. I absolutely love it. I love the fact that we get to the third round and anyone can get anyone. I I always believe the, the the European the Champions League should be like that as well. You know, you should be able to get anyone from anywhere from any division that's won their league and gone in. Um, but obviously, TV money and the TV rights and that stuff like that has has ruined that. Um, just to finish off, uh, you know, we go back to uh, Mr. Barton, even guys, Dave, I'm with you. He didn't do it 10 years ago. He doesn't do it now. This is talking about Ronaldo running around. A great coach will make necessary adjustments. I think what Wayne is trying to say is that he's a big fan of Ronaldo. And the fact that, you know, you don't agree with him, you may want to get someone to taste that cake um, when he does eventually make it, when you get those five goals. Uh, because Wayne's a big believer in Ronaldo, uh, he thinks that they, you know I do. I'm, I'm kind of half on the fence there. A great coach will try and make it. Yeah, just, no, there's not certain yeah. players, though. You know, there's only certain players that, and I think you would agree with that. That the likes of Messi, Ronaldo, Neymar, Mbappe, all these guys. These are guys that um, you have to make adjustments for, right? Yeah, ab- listen, absolutely. But what I'm saying, the point I'm trying to make was, if this coach is so strong-minded of this is how I play, this is what I want. When my when Sancho presses from right wing, the centre-forward has got a sprint. And Ronaldo's just, he's never done that. Like Wayne says, he didn't do it 10 years ago. Why is he going to do it at 36? Listen, he, he might do. But then his mentality, I believe, watching him over the years, Real Madrid, Messi's the same. You watch them. I watched. I watched PSG, Man City the other night, and Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe. What they've done off the ball is just like it's just non-existent. Now, like I say, some coaches can allow that. Some coaches will say, "Do you know what? We'll sacrifice Messi and Mbappe and Neymar, Ronaldo, because they're that good. We can put up with them not defending, but because we know when we get the ball, they'll produce the goods." But if that's not this coach's philosophy, then I just don't see how how it works. I'm not listen. I would personally, I would play Ronaldo. I think he's that good. You've got to play him. But the point I was making is, if Ralph Ragnick's so strong-minded of this is how I play, like Klopp, like Guardiola, you know, Guardiola got rid of Zlatan Ibrahimovic at Barcelona because he didn't fit into how he yeah. wanted to play. Jurgen Klopp was 
again very bullish of of how he wants to play. He took us took a time to get his team. You know, Firmino has come under huge question marks, but he constantly plays because he's that strong minded of what he does off the ball in terms of his his pressing, his sprinting, his hard work. He warrants him a place in the team. So, yeah, that's I why it's so I, interesting. Pardon. I, I play I play Ronaldo in, in every team, but you know if I, if I take my favoritism away, I I think Ronaldo. Well, you've, is, got to, you've got to take the um, you've got to take our opinions and, and our emotions, what or our thoughts out of it. You've got to think for what we're led to believe of the, of the new coach. Um, if that's how he wants to play, um, I just don't see how Ronaldo is makeup his attributes for as great and amazing as he is. He's not a presser. He's not a workhorse. So I just like I say, it'd be really, really interesting to um, to see what he does. You know, I seen something today. I think Gary Neville might have said after the game. He thinks that team was picked by the by Ralph Ragnick because it was so different to what Michael Carrick has worked with and what with he went with in midweek. And that was, you know, there was a lot of rumours on social media that, that Darren Fletcher had, you know, had an earpiece in and was constantly going and talking to Michael Carrick. You know, it, it, I mean, these are all conspiracy theories that yeah, yeah, yeah. was running the team. But you make a good point that that didn't look like a Michael Carrick team, even though we've only seen one team, which was only a couple of days ago. But me personally, I, I you know, I love Ronaldo. I think we should have him in the team. But if, if, if someone said to me, who do you think is in trouble? I, I believe Ronaldo is. I think mm. I think Ragnick may go with, with Cavani because Cavani will chase, you know, air. He'll just chase everything down. Um, I, I do believe that that Ronaldo, you know, if like we've agreed that, that you know, if he's coming in with that that German mentality, it's either black or it's white. That's it. I don't have any grey areas. But then you're talking about Ronaldo, or it's you know. Right so it's, but then you you know you've also said that if eleven players have been given that philosophy and one's not doing it, then it may not work at all. So um, you know Wayne's getting back in me. I was disagreeing with Dave, not Scott. Great point, Scott. You see, this is this is what I got to put up with, dude. You know, <laughs> um, um, I do. I, I personally think Ronaldo. If anyone's at risk in that forward line, I think it's I think it's him. But then again, you know he he's not that type of player. So time will tell whether whether he can work around that or whether he's going to go. You know what? If you're not going to chase Cavani, will literally chase anything. So I'm going to put him in. So you need to adapt your game. Maybe we get that. I don't know. It's I don't want to think about not having Ronaldo on the team. That's my um. I really don't. I really don't. Um. So anyway, to finish off, best of luck uh, next week. Um, we got a big game. Last thing, we got a big game on Thursday against Arsenal. How do you see that going? Arsenal come into a bit of form. Three games into the season, they were bottom with no points. Now they're above Manchester United. Anything can change. Manchester United starting to come into a bit of form. I mean, we've had a win. We've had a you know a very tough draw. We're at home Thursday night. New manager will more likely be in place then. Um, how do you see that one panning out at Old Trafford? I think I'm more just looking forward to see what's going to happen over the next few days, and if we're led, what well, all you know, the rumours are that strong. I think it's only a matter of time before he is announced. How he, I'd just be more excited to see, see what he can change in um in such a short space of time. You know, are we going to see the, the team sprinting all over the pitch, closing people down? Is he going to have that effect so fast? Um, that's what I'm more more looking forward to. Really, Arsenal, like you say. I've, in a good run of form themselves. Even that, you know, you look at that now, 
how long it took Arteta to finally get some. It took him a few transfer windows. Yeah. It took him a while to, to get all the players buying into how he wants to play. Um, you know, these things take time. But for that game, personally, I'm just looking forward to seeing what impact the uh, the new manager or new coach could have. Yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to most. I mean, you know, Michael Carrick has done a hell of a lot better than that I thought he was going to do. I mean, when when we left all that coaching staff behind, it blew my mind, you know, and then he made that big decision midweek with Bruno Fernandes and he made a big, even bigger decision today if it was his to leave out Ronaldo. And he's got two very good results out of it. Maybe Carrick's at the wheel, no? <laughs> I definitely don't want to see that. Um, Scott, as always, we appreciate your time. Uh, best of luck next week. I'll Thanks definitely be tuned in. Um, get back into the starting team. Win the third round. I want to see you, you know, Mark and Ronaldo at Old Trafford. Um, he will uh, be playing. In, good point. <laughs> will, he, will he not be play, playing because he doesn't get picked or because he, he doesn't want to go up against you? I mean, that's, that's, that's the debate out there at the moment, so... All right, mate, as always, thank you very much. I appreciate your time. And, and people that are listening in, uh, appreciate it. Anyone that's, that's looking at this on on um, on uh, iTunes or all the apps that we're on, appreciate it. Leave us, leave you know, myself and Scott some comments. Appreciate all the questions. If you haven't subscribed, please hit the subscribe button, Talk of the Devils. Uh, and uh, we'll see you next week, hopefully with a new manager in place and, and a couple of solid wins. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. A new year is full of surprises, but one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take care of orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code program. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.